And we've been looking at some words of the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, in verses 1 to 13. And we've, we've taken our time, really, and just looked at a few verses in, in verse 2. And we've talked about the privilege of prayer. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples, to believers, uh, when you pray, say, Father. And so we looked at that privilege, uh, what it means to belong to the family of God and to be a Christian, that um, you, you can approach God as your heavenly Father. Uh, and then last time we looked at the, the words also in verse 2, uh, where we, we find something of the, the priorities of prayer. Uh, what should we pray for first? What should we put at the top of our list, as it were? And the Lord says, hallowed be your name. Pray, pray like this, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Uh, in, in the version of the Bible I'm using, New King James, it's got the words, your will be done, as it is in heaven. But um, some versions of the Bible miss that sentence out. But, but there we see that the Lord is teaching us about the priorities of prayer. Uh, sometimes our prayers can be very self-oriented, can't they? We begin with ourselves, we end with ourselves. And uh, in, in between, it's all about ourselves as well. But the Lord gives us a different perspective when we pray. Uh, come to God as your Father. Pray that his name would be hallowed. Pray that his kingdom would come uh, on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, this evening, I want us to, to get down to verses 5 to 13, that section where Jesus speaks about the, the, um, the promises of prayer, the promises that are attached to prayer. And uh, Jesus gives uh, two um, simple stories there, but he draws out some lessons for believers uh, in, in our prayer lives. Uh, but that means that we've missed out verses 3 and 4, which, which are important as well, aren't they? Um, so let, let's just summarize verses 3 and 4. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And um, after we, we put the Lord's kingdom first and his, his name to be hallowed, that's to be our priority, but then we are invited to bring our own needs to God in prayer. And perhaps we can summarize verses 3 and 4 just briefly by, uh, by um, in, in this way, that we are, we are to pray for daily bread, uh, we are to pray for daily forgiveness, and we are to pray for daily grace, things that we always need in the Christian life. And uh, we have to begin even with our basic needs. Give us today our daily bread. I notice on the news today that there's some panic at the moment, isn't there? Because some vegetables, uh, there's a shortage of some vegetables in the supermarkets. And uh, they, they're trying to work out why. Um, but the Lord Jesus teaches us here that even our basic needs, daily bread, food, come from God himself. And um, we can't even take that for granted and we shouldn't take it for granted. In Bible times, of course, they didn't have refrigerators or freezers to store their foods um, and their foodstuffs uh, and, um, as, as we do today. But, but, but even for ourselves, you know, we, we are to come every day dependent on God for food and uh, thankful for food, daily bread. Uh, I'm, I'm only touching on these briefly so we can get down to verse 5 to 13. Uh, also, we are to pray for daily forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. The Lord Jesus, you surely, is not saying, 
if you want to become a Christian, you have to forgive somebody first. And if you forgive somebody, then God will forgive you. That, that can't be right, can it? Because salvation is a free gift. It's the gift of God's grace to us. Uh, surely the Lord in verse 4 is simply saying that once you're in the kingdom of God and God is your father, then this is the way that you are to live. Always asking God for forgiveness of sins and then showing that forgiveness to others. So it's a, it's a cycle. Verse 4 is not telling us how to get into the kingdom of God, but it's telling us the kind of people we should be once we're in the kingdom. Always needing God's forgiveness. Uh, when I became a Christian, um, there was a group of us young people in a church in my stake, uh, and uh, we, we met one day in a cafe um, for tea and cakes or ham rolls or whatever it was that young people had in those days. And uh, the discussion that we had was, uh, do we have to pray for forgiveness now that we are Christians? And uh, some of us felt, well, yes, we still have to pray for forgiveness. Other, other young Christians felt, well, no. We don't have to pray for forgiveness because all our sins have been forgiven. And so we just enjoy life in the, in the light of God's forgiveness. There's no need to pray for forgiveness. Well, the Lord Jesus helps us in this prayer, doesn't he? Uh, pray daily, just as you would pray for your daily bread and food. Pray every day for forgiveness of sins. And then show that forgiveness to others uh, in your life and in the way that you treat others. And then uh, at the end of verse 4, uh, the Lord not only speaks about daily food and daily forgiveness, but uh, daily grace. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wonder if you were to be asked as a Christian, do, do you pray that prayer every day when you get up? Uh, pray that you will not fail God, that you will not fall and, or bring the gospel into disrepute, that, uh, that you might be restrained from sin. And uh, Lord, if, if testing and trials do come, then let me not fall, let me not grieve your spirit by sin. Uh, deliver, deliver me, deliver us from the evil one. We, we have to pray that every day, don't we? Remember the, the verse in the book of Jude, uh, the last but one book in the New Testament, uh, the God who is able to keep you from falling. And we, we must be aware of that, mustn't we, as Christians? That uh, we are completely dependent on God. Having professed the name of Jesus Christ, we just sang about the, the, the majesty, the beauty of the Lord Jesus, none but Christ can satisfy. Well, we, we don't want to bring his name into disrepute by something that we might do. We don't want the devil to trip us up and catch us in sin. So there's a prayer there, uh, uh, prayers that Jesus gives us for daily bread, daily forgiveness, and uh, daily grace and daily strength. And then, then we come down to the, the, the next section from verse 5 to verse 13 where Jesus tells two stories. And uh, he speaks in, the, in these verses about the promises of prayer. And, and we always need some encouragement, don't we, as Christians? 
Uh, and uh, here the Lord Jesus says, uh, ask and the, it shall be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened. Your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so in, in this section, Jesus provides us with wonderful encouragement. And uh, I just want to divide verse 5 to 13 into two parts. First of all, the, the kind of prayers that we can bring as Christians in verses 5 to 10. What kind of prayers can we bring to God? Uh, in what manner can we pray? In what kind of way can we pray to God? And um, you, I'm sure we know the story well. Uh, uh, Jesus gives the story there in verse 5 down to verse 10. And uh, he talks about a man uh, who's in his house safe with his children. The doors are shut. It's dark. It's midnight. Everybody is safe. And uh, then there's a knock at the door and a friend is there. And he needs some bread because he's got some visitors. And uh, the man replies inside the house in verse 7, Don't trouble me now. The door is shut. The children are safely asleep with me in bed. I, I can't rise and give to you. Now, it's not convenient. And then notice what the Lord Jesus says in this story in verse 8. Even though the man will not rise and give to him because he's his friend, Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give as many as he needs. And the key word there is the word persistence in verse 8. I notice in your church Bible, uh, you have the word impudence. The cheek of this man to keep knocking at the door at midnight when the children are, in, uh, are asleep. It's not convenient to answer the door, but this man just keeps on knocking. And he persists. And there's a daringness about him. An audacity uh, is the way that Dale Ralph Davis translates it in his commentary on Luke. The audacity of the man. Um, other Bible scholars tell us the word there means shamelessness. It's the only time the word is used in the New Testament. Shamelessness. Here's a man that doesn't care about the children asleep. He's only bothered that he can get his hands on some loaves of bread to give to his visitors. And he's going to keep knocking and asking till he gets what he, uh, gets what he wants. What's the point of the story? Well, the Lord Jesus uh, says in verse 9, So, I say to you, this is the kind of way that you can pray. Ask. And it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The Lord Jesus in the little story is telling us, well now, you, you be shameless in your prayer. You, you show a kind of audacity and impudence. A daringness. Don't give up. So the kind of prayers that we can bring as Christians it's an amazing thing, isn't it? We maybe would never have thought of it or believed that we could pray like that unless it had come from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, persistence, verse 8, uh, impudence, um, a kind of audacity, uh, or others have translated it like this. This man is insensitive to what is proper. He's careless about the good opinion of others. He has nerve. And the Lord then says to us, ask and seek and knock. T. 
take those three words again just briefly, ask. Uh, I was just telling Anona before we started the meeting that um, my wife and I were looking at some old uh, videos of our children when they were young. Sign of old age, isn't it, when you pull out the old videos and you start looking at uh, when, when your children were young. And when, when our children were in the back of the car, we were travelling on a long journey up, up to the north of England. Uh, we'd start off from Patolbot on the motorway. And you'd only got as far as Bridgend, and the children would be saying, are we there yet, Dad? Do, do you do this in your, with your parents? Are we there yet? And then you get a bit further, Newport. Are we there yet? All the way up, and then Bristol, and then Manchester, wherever we go in. And then eventually, when you, when you have arrived and you want them to be excited, you know, uh, they're fast asleep in the back of the car. Uh, but, they, but they're asking, are we there yet? And they keep on. And um, Jesus invites his people to pray like that. <coughs> Ask. Charles Spurgeon says, asking is the rule of the kingdom. God invites us to ask. In the book of James, you remember that verse? James 4, verse 2. You, uh, you have not because you ask not. And then in the same book, uh, James says, you you, you ask at other times, and, um, but you're asking in the wrong way. And so there, there are these difficulties in our lives, aren't there, as Christians? In prayer, we, we sometimes fail to ask. And then at other times, we do ask, but we ask in the wrong way, maybe with the wrong motive, or maybe for selfish reasons. But uh, Jesus invites his people to ask. And then he, he says, seek. Seek. Maybe that word is a bit more intense. You're, you're on the lookout for something. And so the man in the story wants bread and he's desperate for bread. Uh, just last Christmas I was um, reading about a boy uh, who said to his parents at Christmas time, uh, there's no need now to buy me a PlayStation 2. And the parents were surprised. And they said, why? Well, he said, I, I found one in the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> found one in the wardrobe. Children have a, a way, don't they? They go looking for things. On the lookout. We're going to ask. And we're going to seek. Please don't do that next Christmas time, will you? <laughs> don't go looking beforehand. Have patience. But uh, the, 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 there's, a, there's a right way of seeking too. And so Jesus says, we can seek as his people. And then he uses the other word, knock. Well, that's even more intensive, isn't it? The, this man at the door and he wants some bread and it's midnight, it's not convenient, the children are sleeping, but this man's not going to give up. And he's, he's going to knock until he gets an answer. Not going to give up. And isn't it amazing that Jesus is, is giving us permission to pray like this to God? God is your father and you must always reverence him. You must always be humble before him and yet you can come with a, with a daringness as well. And you can be bold. There are prayers in scripture. Um, maybe maybe it's, uh, it's safe to take some prayers from scripture as some examples. Um, you remember the prayer of Abraham in the book of Genesis? Chapter 18 of that book, and he's praying over Sodom. The judgment of God is coming. 
And Abraham pleads and he begins with um, 50. Remember, if, Lord, Father, if there, are, if there are 50 in Sodom, will you have mercy upon the place? And, and, and God says, yes, if there are 50 righteous people, I, I won't bring judgment. But Abraham doesn't leave it at that, does he? He then says, Lord, what about 45? And then God says, yes, okay, 45. And then Abram continues. And, and he's humble because he says things like, God, have mercy on me. I, I am but dust and ashes in your sight. And don't be angry with me, but I'm going to pray it again. What about 30 and 25? And he's pleading with God. And he's asking and he's seeking and he's knocking. And uh, he, he prays, but we know the end of the story. Sodom doesn't even have a, a little handful of people and Sodom is destroyed. But the prayer of Abraham, very daring prayer, wasn't it? All, all listen to this prayer in Isaiah 51, verse 9. And um, the, the, the people of God, the prophet Isaiah, he's, he's praying to God. Look, listen, listen to the words that he uses. Awake, O Lord. Awake. Clothe yourself with strength, you arm of the Lord. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Lord, wake up. <laughs> well, that's a daring prayer, isn't it? God, God doesn't sleep, we know that. It's, it's, it's human language to try and explain to us that, um, that, that God invites us to pray like this to him. Lord, you, you, you seem to be asleep. Wake up, Lord. Or listen to another one, uh, another example of a prayer like this. Psalm 13 and verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? It's a personal prayer. How long, O Lord, will you turn away your face from me? At times in the Christian life when we don't feel the presence of God, maybe as we would like. Maybe we've grieved God in some way and we have to repent uh, but the psalmist here prays, Lord, well, how, how, how long will you forget me? How long will you turn your face away from me? How long is this going to go on, Lord? Again, it's an example of a daring prayer. Uh, the, 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 there are many others as well. Let me just give one, one more. Isaiah chapter 62, verse 7. Uh, give the Lord no rest. Until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. We could say it's a prayer for the church. A prayer for blessing upon God's people. But, but give, give God no rest. Keep on coming back to him. And uh, praying like that. The, so the kind of prayers that we can bring. Ask and seek. And knock. It's amazing isn't it that we can come like that. Uh, why the urgency then? Is there a little clue or a hint in, in the parable, the story that Jesus gives? Why, why, why the urgency in prayer? Well, in the story, Jesus says it's midnight. And uh, it's dark. Could we spiritualize that and say that um, this is why we need to pray like this with urgency and daring and boldness? Because uh, as uh, Abraham prayed over Sodom, there's judgment coming. Why the urgency, Abraham? 
But the judgment of God is coming. It's midnight. Things are very dark. The days are evil, the Apostle Paul says. We must redeem the time and there's a sense of urgency. Think of our own country, the slide away from Christian things. Think of what's happening in Scotland now. A, a, a woman who's an evangelical Christian puts her name forward to be the, the, the next first minister and immediately she's, she's facing opposition, isn't she? Well, we, in, in one sense, we're not surprised. We, we know that Christians are always going to be in trouble if they stand for the gospel. But, but, but look at the hatred, look at the vitriol that there is for the things of God. We're told that there's an increase in interest in Satanism, on witchcraft and all these things. Well, it's midnight, isn't it? And the days are urgent. And sometimes we can be so casual in, in our prayers. And of course, in the story, the parable that Jesus gives, another reason for the urgency, and this is, the, uh, this is in verse 6, the man at the door who knocks and he doesn't give up, he says, I, I haven't got anything. I haven't got anything. Well, isn't that true of us? Can we do something about the situation? There's a man in our church some years back and uh, he, he used to speak uh, along these lines and he said, well, you know, if, if you can do anything as a Christian, now's the time to do it, isn't it? He was looking at the state of things, you know. If, if you can do something, well, do it then. But we have to confess in verse 6 with this man. What can we do? Have you got anything? Can you do anything? Can you make one person a Christian? That's why we, we have to pray, ask and seek and knock. Because we need help from outside of ourselves, don't we? That's a given in the Christian life. We always need God's help uh, and his grace given to us. So the kind of prayers that uh, we can bring, prayers of daring, prayers of impudence, these verses challenge us, don't they? Do, do we pray like that? Uh, Duncan Campbell, I'm sure some of you know this story. Um, I, I, I listened to it years ago on, on a cassette tape. Cassette tapes, remember those? And uh, Duncan Campbell was the preacher evangelist and God used him on, on the island of Lewis in Scotland. Revival came, 1949 to 52. And uh, he was asked afterwards, how did the revival begin? And Mr. Campbell said there was a particular verse that people were holding on to. Uh, uh, before he got there, he said the revival really started before he got there. He wasn't taking any credit for himself. But the verse that people were holding on to was Isaiah 44. I will pour water, the Lord says, on him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And Duncan Campbell said that um, this was the verse people were holding on to. And um, in one meeting... There was a, a young man who got up and he prayed this prayer. Lord, you have promised I will pour water on him that is thirsty and floods on the dry ground and Lord, you are not doing it. Well, that was a daring prayer, wasn't it? You're not doing it, Lord. And Duncan Campbell went on to say that something happened in the meeting 
And when they opened the doors outside, there were hundreds of people had come spontaneously to the church, to the building. And so unusual things can happen like that, we know, in, in days of um, revival. But we can pray, ask and seek and all, the, the, ki- the kind of prayers that we can pray. And then there's um, another point here, isn't it, in verses 11 to 13, in, in Luke 11, verse 11 to 13, the, the, the kind of God that we can expect when we pray. And uh, here the Lord Jesus uh, gives these extra verses. Is, is, it, is it part of the same story or is it a, an extra parable? It doesn't really matter, but um, I'm glad the verses are there because they, they tell us what kind of God we are praying to. If, if the verse had ended at verse 10, we, we might have thought, well, is, is God like the man behind the closed doors? <laughs> is, 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 he, is he grumpy? Is he unwilling to bless? No, the Lord Jesus says in verse 11, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Aren't you glad that the Lord Jesus added those words on to the other uh, uh, parable or the other story? Otherwise, we might have got the wrong impression. We might have wondered, well, does God really want to answer us? Does he only bless us to get rid of us? Is that the kind of God we have? No. And then he reminds us of human parents. Human parents show kindness to their children. They, They don't want to make fun of them. They, they, they don't want to ridicule them. They don't want to give them anything that's going to harm them. And so if human parents are like that, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So what, what kind of God do we pray to? And we are back where we started really um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's our Father in heaven. Uh, he's... Not, not simply a friend, like the, like the man in the story just got rid of his friend because he was a pest. No, uh, now Jesus says, remember that God is your father. And uh, if, if you know how to give good gifts, how much more does God? God is not evil. God never has any suspicious motives. Uh, he, ha- he has nothing but good things to give his people. And, uh, and here we are told it's the Holy Spirit that, that he desires to give us. Uh, bishop J.C. Ryle, uh, who, he was the Bishop of uh, Liverpool in the 19th century. The, uh, bishop Ryle says on this particular verse, the Holy Spirit is beyond doubt the greatest gift which God can bestow upon a man. What's the greatest gift that God can give? Well, it's himself, isn't it? It's himself. William Williams was a great Welsh hymn writer. And um, somebody gave a lecture to us um, in a conference years ago and speaking to us about the Welsh hymns of William Williams. And he gave us a sheet of paper and they were translated for us to understand the, the meaning of the words in English. 
And uh, a couple of the lines of one of, one of William Williams's uh, old hymns. God is greater than his blessings. He's greater than his grace. In other words, the greatest blessing that God can give is himself. And here we are told in verse 13, the last verse of this section, God, our Heavenly Father, gives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The greatest gift he can give us is himself. Again, that's a challenge, isn't it? Because we, we all want things from God. We want blessings. We want this or that. We want our problems solved. But do we want him? Do you want him? More of the Lord Jesus Christ. None but Christ can satisfy. None of the name for me. And we need the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, we could spend the rest of the night on this, couldn't we? Uh, it deserves a message on its own. We need the Holy Spirit for prayer. We can't really pray as we should without the Holy Spirit, can we? Prayer is our duty. Prayer is our responsibility. We are to use words. We can use the words of the Bible to help us. But, but we always need the help of the Holy Spirit to, 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 to pray. Was it Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones who used a picture of, was it Spurgeon, uh, one of the two, I forget which. Um, and, and they said, you know, uh, the, the, the church, uh, sometimes the church is like, uh, it's like a, a, a piece of wood stuck in the ditch. A big lump of wood stuck in the ditch. And the water's gone out, there's no water. You can't move it. And then it begins to rain and the trench, the ditch fills with water and the wood is moved easily. And uh, I think it's Spurgeon or Lloyd-Jones who uses that as a picture of the, you know, the help of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to get things moving sometimes in your own Christian life or in the church. And, and yet the Holy Spirit can come and, and, and move things along. Helping us to pray, helping us to be godly. How can I be godly in a, in a godless age? Programs on television, computer, or, or it's, it's a very visual age, you know, mobile phones, and, and there are things that can come into our minds that, that, that maybe would, would, would not have come into people's minds so easily years ago. How can I be godly? How can I live the Christian life? Can I do it on my own? No, Jesus says, your heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. It's the Holy Spirit that we need to help us live the Christian life. We enter the Christian life by the Holy Spirit in the first place. And, and we go on living the Christian life by the help and power of the Holy Spirit. What about witness? We need the Holy Spirit to help us witness, don't we? Conversions. We, we can't save anyone. We can preach the truth every week, which we are supposed to do, and we do. And yet it always takes a work of the Holy Spirit to touch one heart. What about perseverance in the Christian life? 
one of the great privileges, you know, um, in, in being a pastor in the ministry is, is when you see Christians persevering in the Christian life. One of the great privileges. Christians go through difficulties and troubles. And yet they press on with the Lord. And they persevere. Where did that perseverance come from? Where did that grace to continue come from? Well, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Putting down deep roots in our, in our, in our experience so that we, we press on with God, that we are not dis, disillusioned, as it were, but we, we press on with God because we know He's our Heavenly Father. And we want to remain true to the gospel. So our, our Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And that's the kind of God that we come to when we pray. We don't have to twist his arm. We are invited to pray with a, a sense of daring. And, and yet, humility at the same time. And the promise is there that God will open the door. And uh, he'll not only hear our prayers, but he'll answer us and he'll give us the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, as we draw to a close, we could ask ourselves a few questions, couldn't we? Are we sometimes discouraged in prayer or, or feeling, well, I, I, won't, I won't pray anymore. Nothing, nothing happens, really. I, I prayed for people to be converted. I pray for my family and children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, neighbors, friends, but nothing seems to happen. And so I, I, I don't think I'll bother praying anymore. No, Jesus says, <laughs> be like the man who hasn't got any bread and thought, I'm going to keep on asking. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give you any rest, Lord, until you, you hear my prayers.